at the world-famous YourGameSource.com podcast. This time it's episode number 55. Is it 55? Are we that high up already? Is it 54? Let me check. See, we've done so many now, even I don't remember. We are at 54. I'm getting ahead of myself. 54, podcast number 54. Uh, it's Gerald, Yes, Elvis Lives, and I'm here tonight with a great cast. I've got Steph, better known as Stephu. Hello. I've got Ponosaurus Rex Bryce. Hello. And I've got our editor-in-chief, Sarah. Hi. All right. We're here tonight to discuss all the latest and greatest in gaming. And first off, we're going to start off with our bit of news. The news. The news. The news. All righty. And first up. As everyone knows, the violent video game debate continues. Uh, I know on our site we've actually had a, a two very detailed opinions, both from both myself and Nick, uh, on the subject. If you want to check that out, it's at yourgamesource.com. President Obama recently proposed to Congress, uh, Congress a request for funding a new gun control plan, a small part of which she hopes would be allocated to research into the effects of violent video games. Now, mind you, his plan was approximately, uh, if it were to all go through, about $500 million, and what he was earmarking for this study was $10 million. So it's a very small amount, but it seems to be on the minds of a lot of people in the gaming industry at this time. Also, upon that, other state representatives have lobbied in their own states for laws either restricting or adding additional taxes on violent video games. To be exact, there are actually uh, any video games with uh, a teen above rating. So, my goodness, even Dan Central that has uh, a T rating would be affected by that as well. Now, with all this going on, uh, what do you think is going to happen next as far as for the video game industry? Um, I will start off with our editor-in-chief, Sarah. What do I think is going to happen next in the video game industry? As far as the debate continuing between the video game industry, violent video games, uh, the issue as far as inco- – because obviously we're now in the public eye over the un- – you know, as we stated in our last podcast, over the tragic events that have happened. And, you know, I, Congress and government it's now all, from all over is looking at, you know, video games as a whole as, as one of the reasons and causes of this. Um, and I know we stated uh, extensively in our podcast last uh, on our last podcast uh, a lot of our thoughts on it, but it seems to be such a big subject as far as it's concerned. Um, where do you see as far as the government taking this to, either on a state level or at a national level, as far as uh, a crackdown or possible sanctions or possible any more interest in uh, in video games? I feel like they're going to push it as far as they can and get legislature passed if they can, whether that be imposing more tax or stricter regulations on buying games, whatever have you. I know there was another school shooting today in Texas, and that brought everything to the forefront of everybody's minds again. And it's just it's not a debate that's going to go away or die down anytime soon. And there was a recent shooting uh, approximately five to seven days ago with uh, uh, a 15-year-old uh, taking the lives of others as well. Um, and it just, again, uh, I noticed that was the first and foremost thought that, 
you know, some individuals saying, as far as comments are concerned, that, that video games were were a cause of this. Uh, Bryce, I know you said extensively, but uh, I wanted to hear your thoughts on what your worst fears are with the government taking such a keen interest now. Mind you, they did a long time ago in the days of Mortal Kombat in its infancy, but what do you see now as far as uh, your fears as far as where they might take it from here? Well, uh, fears are pretty much just the banning of decent games and that all we're left with is Hello Kitty Adventure. Uh, pretty much. Now, I mean, there's always ways around it. Now, mind you, my daughters might like that. Yes. True. Mine as well, most likely. But uh, that's just not my cup of tea. Hello Kitty Island Adventure is not for me. Unless it's the only thing available to play in America, then uh, it's just going to have to be my cup of tea. <laughs> Waiting for those microtransactions. Um, now, Steph... As far as that's concerned, um, do you think that the government should be involved? Uh, I'll ask you that question. Do you think they should be involved? Uh, Is this something that they should have gained interest in maybe long ago as 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 regulations are concerned regarding the video game industry and and who actually has their hands on uh, these video games and, and are playing them? Um, I think to a point, yes, the government should. I think that, like, the mature rating system, teen, all of that, I think those are a good idea. That There are some games young children shouldn't be playing, and they're rated for that. But I don't think that simply because one person that played a game went off and did something crazy, compared to the number of people that play anything from... Bryce's favorite Hello Kitty to Call of Duty to any of that, the number of people that play all of the games and don't do anything fanatical like that versus the number of people that do, I don't think that the majority of people who can handle that game and play it just fine should be restricted from playing it simply because some crazy person can't. I couldn't agree with you more, and and in my blog, I did state that as well, I'm just uh, concerned that that the government will try to go overboard and and try to uh, enact some type of censorship in some small way to the video game industry. But uh, it's going to be very difficult because of, of, you know, obviously the great laws that we have in this country regarding uh, freedom of speech and things of that nature. Uh, but I do see uh, the government trying to to circumvent and work their way into uh, trying to put much tighter restrictions um, on the video game industry. Uh, As I stated in my blog on yourgamesource.com, though, I I really think a lot of the – a lot of the, the issues should be with the parents, and, and I think we need to educate, and, and if the government wants to spend a lot more money and a lot more resources with, in trying to regulate the video game industry, they need to spend a lot more money in promoting uh, better uh, attention and wiser parenting um, to younger individuals and, and just make sure they pay attention to what they're playing and what they're interested in playing, uh, because I think if they do a study... And if they earmark and allocate 
uh, a lot of this money, you know, $10 million to doing a, a research on it, they're going to find, they're going to want to find, and they are going to find that, that if you subject a child uh, four, five, six, seven, eight years old um, to violent video games or violent movies or violent, any violent media for that matter, that you are, you know, the chances of that individual growing up and committing violent crimes, you know, does increase. I, I really think there there might be a correlation to that, you know, to certain segment of individuals that, that are exposed to it at a young age. Um, I myself was exposed to it at a young age. I know a lot of individuals that that are part of the site were as well, and they're able to handle it fine. But I know the chances do increase if they are, uh, you know, individuals are exposed to it at such an early age. Um, but I just don't want to see the government go too far overboard on it. And, and like you said, Stephanie, and, and like has been stated before, and ruin it for, for so many millions of people that are able to handle uh, violent video games and able to enjoy it and, and see it for what it's worth. Um I know uh, we just got back from CES uh, not too long ago, and, and we had a great time. And, and I first want to thank everybody out there uh, that has checked into our YourGameSource.com YouTube page and seen all the videos from CES. Uh, combined, we've had over 30,000 uh, views of our CES coverage uh, from all over the world. I've gotten uh, blog, you know, entry blogs from uh, – all the way as far as France and and other countries as well, Australia, and and we're just really excited about what we could provide for for everyone out there. Um, I just know that that it's been hard for for us uh, here at the uh, YourGameSource.com to actually enjoy it because most of us have been quite sick, uh, either on before, during, or after CES. Uh, I know uh, everyone here had their uh, issues with with the flu. Uh, I know uh, as well Jamie and and Lonnie and and others uh, had the, those same issues as well. Uh, uh, be that as it may, um, Steph, I know you were unable to go due to that illness. But uh, Bryce and and Sarah, um, Bryce, first, tell me your thoughts uh, on going to you know what was it like for you going to CES? That was awesome. I uh, liked everything about it, uh, except that I did not get to see all the booths because apparently there was more hidden ones that we did not go to. Yes. Um, so I was a little bummed out about that one. But as it being my first convention for electronics, it, it was nice. I enjoyed seeing everything. It's not a one-day adventure. It takes it's more than one day. To yeah. Unfortunately, we only had one day. At least I did with my work schedule. Well, I made the best of it. I definitely had fun. What one item did you think was uh, stuck out most to you? Um, uh, I, I wanted to get my hands on the NVIDIA gaming controller, uh, but it was tightly locked behind a cubicle glass. So uh, it definitely had a lot of potential, but I think the the leaps and bounds were going in virtual reality is definitely looking promising for the uh, not near future, but definitely sometime in the next 10 years. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, Steph, I know you didn't get a chance to go, like I said, because you were, like many of us, had very sick. Um, what, if you got a chance to look at the products that were debuted at CES, 
what maybe product excited you the most? Um, once I waded through all of the ridiculous 4K TVs that seemed to be the only thing anybody wanted to talk about, um, I was really interested in the NVIDIA Shield, um, Project Shield, I think it is, yes. um, because I, I personally don't like um, mobile games so much. Like, they're fun, but they're really restrictive as to just having the touch screen and, like, you know, the one button that you have on your iPhone. So I really like handheld systems, and it looks very uh, fun. Now, Sarah, um, in between probably wanting to beat Bryce over the head with an RCA <laughs> dog doll, um, what and also catching the flu at CES. Oh, it was so bad. <laughs> uh, what product uh, or thing excited you the most when you were there at CES? From what I got to see, like Bryce said, you know, unfortunately we were only able to go the one day, and it was so overwhelming, just the massiveness of everything. I actually agree with Bryce and stuff. The NVIDIA Shield, Project Shield, definitely is something interesting and definitely something I'd be interested in checking out in the future. But with that being said, I also really liked the motor headphones, but that's only because I'm a really big motorhead fan. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you uh, taking pictures and showing that on your on your Facebook page. Uh, I can understand that, absolutely. Now, uh, with any of the new gaming options that are on the horizon, like the Razer tablet, the Steam Box, the Ouya, and um, the two different uh, NVIDIA projects, including, well, of course, the Product Shield, um, do you see any of those that were shown, debuted, or... Uh, mentioned at CES, a serious contender to the consoles, considering the PS4 and the Xbox 720 will be coming out this year. And I'll start with you, Steph. Do you see any of those uh, that I just uh, named off be a serious contender to those consoles? Um, you know, I think it's still um, pretty hard to say, but um, the Oya, I think, has had a lot of, uh, a lot of power behind it, and a lot of people are very excited about that one. Um, so, possibly. Now, um, Sarah, what is your opinion? Do you think, uh, maybe the Steam Box, or, because I know you said Project Shield as well, do you see any of those? The Razer tablet, the Oya, uh, stick out in your mind the most? Or do you think it's, it might be Project Shield? I think it could be Project Shield, but if I'm going to be completely honest, I don't think anything has enough power to overtake console games yet. And for that matter, handheld games on, like, iPhone or tablets, I just think it's too convenient and people are too used to having Xbox or PlayStation or Wii. I don't know. I just I don't think that, like, if I'm being really honest, any of them have, like, the absolute power to be a real, real contender with those. Mm. And Bryce? I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I can hear myself through my wife's Skype account. As could I. <laughs> I said, um, I forgot what I said. I said that consoles are dominant because uh, consoles aren't 
just for video games anymore. They're for TV, movies. They're built in DVD, Blu-ray players, as well as uh, connecting you to the internet for Netflix and and whatever various means you need. So it, it definitely beats out just a system that plays only video games versus playing everything else. That's uh, quite interesting as well. I just think if there's any of them, because the Android power is, is to me, and the Android market is just not, like like you said, Sarah, not quite enough um, to be where you need to be as far as a um, console gaming is concerned. I think the Razer tablet is way too expensive and will remain as such. I think if you could find uh, a happy medium on the Steam box, and then you could sell it under $400 um, and be powerful enough to be able to play the great games that are available on Steam, I think that might be contender. But that's a very big if, because the Steam boxes that are being made available, um, which are not official Valve ones, but they're, they're Steam boxes nonetheless, um, are still quite around uh, $1,000, even more. So it's going to be very hard for Steambox uh, Valve to be, be a serious contender as well, unless they can get that price down to a comparative value next to the consoles. Uh, next question. How good is 4K, and do you think 3D it needs is, do you think it's dead, and do you think it's, you know, we're just piling the dirt on the grave? Um, I think I got your thoughts already um, on that, Steph, but if you just wanted to reiterate real quick, I, I know you're, you seem to be already tired of 4K, if I'm, if I'm understanding you correctly. Uh, yeah, it took me quite a while to really be able to see the difference between um, a standard television and a high-def one. Obviously, I can see it, and that comes becomes really clear when, like, there's high-res text or something on an old TV. You can't read it. But I just, with how sharp um, 1080p, 1080i, and high-def already look, I, I don't really understand what the point is of making it even more. They're just making more expensive TVs that no one can afford. And then as far as 3D goes... Um, think 3D is really kind of gimmicky. Like, it's, it's fun, you go in, especially, like, when you go and watch the movie, it's fun and everything, but, I don't know, if I watch something in 3D too long, I get almost mo almost motion sick, so I couldn't even imagine trying to play a game in 3D without vomiting. Uh, I can't blame you uh, on that one. Uh, Sarah, do you, you think 3D's dead, and I know you and I uh, got to see the 4Ks while we were there, and, and it did look very good. But uh, I, you know, right now, like, like uh, Stephanie was saying, the price is, is definitely an issue. But do you see a potential once the price comes down for 4K? It depends on how much the price goes down. I mean, the average person can't even afford a 3D TV, and honestly, 3D TVs just they irritate me. I feel like 3D is a resurrected technology from the 80s that should have stayed in the 80s, and I mean, we saw a ton of 3D TVs at CES, and the only one that really stood out to me was one where a game was being played on it, and it was just because of the way the game was being played that it even stood out for me. That's just my opinion, but I, no. <laughs> Bryce? Uh, 3D is dead. Uh, 4K will kill it. I enjoyed how good 4K looked. 
for those of you who don't know what 4K is. Um, to describe it, the TV show depth. You can see objects in their linear positioning. Say, I have a water bottle in front of another water bottle. You can see which water bottle is in front of which one, which is visibly amazing to me. So I, I definitely do like 4K TVs. Uh, as far as the price range, it's a new technology. It's going to be expensive until they can commercialize everything. But that's going to be years down the road. And by then, we'll have 24,000p. Something like that. Yeah. Um, next question, I'll leave with you, Bryce, on this one. Uh, with no Microsoft there, and it's been the first time uh, that they have not been there. I mean, they were there in spirit with tablets and phones all over the place that supported their software. Um, why was PS3 and Vita not promoted more heavily uh, by Sony at CES? And uh, I'll start off with you on that one. I think they weren't really focused on promoting gaming at CES. It was more TVs and technologies other than consoles and gaming. Pretty much uh, the only Sony thing I saw as far as gaming was a small little hobble where they were showing off God of War Ascension, which was good. And then they had uh, Sly Cooper, uh, We Are Vikings, and some other game that aren't really on the scale as God of War is. So I just feel they were focusing elsewhere at CS, and they're saving all the major um, showcases for E3 later on this year. Well, a couple of interesting things before I turn it over to you, Steph. Um, when I went back there to do some specific videos, which you can see on our YourGameSource.com YouTube site, um, first thing is uh, it was funny because – there were individuals who would walk up to the Vita, look at it, hold her in hands, play with it, and use it, and they compliment it as far as how resourceful and useful and, and fun it is. And not knowing, seemingly not knowing that the unit has been out for over a year now. So it's just maybe Sony just not being able to promote it well. I think that speaks volumes uh, for the way they have advertised and promoted if people are just walking up to it and, and being able to use it, uh, and they're seeing it for the first time. Uh, the second thing I wanted to say is some of the – speaking of the video is that there were – of our videos that, are, that were from the CES, our most popular videos outside of uh, MLB uh, were Vito video games um, with uh, – Soul Sacrifice and Ninja Gaiden Sigma 2 Plus, uh, two of our three uh, most watched videos, uh, which is to me is interesting. And, and we're talking five, seven, ten thousand views, and uh, it's it's just interesting as of this podcast taping, mind you. And it's just interesting to see that there is some level of interest for Vita games. I just uh, my opinion was when after looking at all the games, I was really uh, intrigued by Soul Sacrifice personally, but uh, you know, like I said, I'll leave that for another day. Um, Sarah, um, why do you think uh, – or what, was I going to go to you, Steph? I'm sorry. You said you were, and then you just kept talking. Oh, okay. Sorry, sounding like Nick. <laughs> as far as um, the lack of promotion, though, for the Vita I, and PlayStation 4, um, I personally think that it's just Sony has never been – 
that great at advertising their games. I mean, we can go back and see commercials. I disagree. We had, uh, we had the Butler gentleman for the PlayStation commercials. That was one of the few. Yep, I disagree, so here's my example. <laughs> Even though they fired Kevin Butler and sued him. But, um, and I think he's, <laughs> he's got a non-disclosure for the next two years as far as uh, non... non uh, he, he cannot promote any other video game system, I believe, or two, for two years, and cannot actually work outside of PlayStation uh, uh, for the next two years um, as far as promoting and be a part of any advertisements. So um, I, that doesn't mean a return for him to the Sony commercials. Maybe I, I do think his were um, his spots were amusing, but I might have to agree um, with uh, Steph in the case that they were not able to properly promote the Vita um, and indicated on several occasions back when the Vita started um, that they were not um, I'll just say up to the task as far as what they were doing advertising wise with it and promoting it. Um, I, while the Kevin Butler ads have been have been good and and piece you know critically lauded, I just don't think they've been able to get uh, PlayStation Three as far as as the history is and their sales uh, where they needed to be and where they should have been. Um, but like I said, that that's neither here nor there. Um, I think they're a good series of ads. I just I think they needed a lot more than just the Kevin Butler series of ads to get them uh, where they needed to be, uh, at least for this console generation. But you never know. PS4 is supposedly on the way. So, um, Sarah, what do you have to say on that? As far as since no, there was no Microsoft, why didn't you think? Uh, you know, when we went there to go to the Sony booth, why were you uh, were you surprised that there was such little attention paid to the PS3 and Vita? Oh, no, not at all. I don't feel like it was the appropriate platform for it to be advertised, if you will, or displayed. I mean, it was good that it was there at all, but I don't think that that's where their focus was. Their focus was on their other technology, their TVs and whatnot. Okay. Um and it's uh, hopefully with the PS4 coming out this time next year, they can uh, hopefully present that more. Well, it's not a sure thing, but I'm uh, that they're coming out this year. But all points, uh, all rumors seem to to emphasize that that they'll be debuting it most likely within the next calendar year. So hopefully next January at CES, they'll be able to promote that more carefully and uh, you know more respectfully as well. Um, and the last question on CES, um, do you see Apple and Microsoft uh, returning to CES, or do you see more companies leaving? Um, Steph, I'll start with you. Um, you know, with the focus being on more than just gaming there, I don't know if um, – I don't know. It seems like a really weird thing for – them to drop out of it, but obviously they feel that they don't need to be promoting there, so I don't know if um, they're going to go back or not. I think a lot of it depends on the long-term effects of um, what came out of CES this year, and if they feel like, oh, we should have probably been there to show off what we had. All right. Fair enough. Bryce? 
No, you didn't. <laughs> when you have your mic on, uh, it's uh, Apple and Microsoft. Do you see them returning back to CES, uh, or do you see more companies leaving? Do you see CES uh, getting back, getting bigger, or do you see them getting uh, smaller? I, I feel Apple and Microsoft will return when they have stuff to promote more. Uh, I don't think right now Apple or Microsoft really have anything that they want. They don't want to show their cards at the moment, so they just didn't go to CES. Because uh, well, Apple, Apple hasn't been there in years, and they, they used to run a show concurrent with CES. So. Well, maybe just they didn't get the the reactions they wanted out of CES or some other unknown thing. They just don't feel that CES is worth uh, attending. I don't know. Sarah? I don't think that Apple, I don't think they'll come back. They do their own thing now, and like I stated before in the pre-CES podcast, they are <clears throat> they are like the uh, leader of the pack, if you will, for their technology, and people are going to watch their stuff, and people are going to buy their products without them promoting at CES. As far as Microsoft, I think it could go either way. They could go back and it could be good for them, or they could go by way of Apple and just continue to do their own thing, and that could be sufficient enough for them. All right, fair enough then. Um, I guess right after this we're going to take a break, and uh, coming up next we're going to have our thoughts on Anarchy Rules and Devil May Cry, right after the break. And we're back, and it's review time here at the World Famous Hero Games Source.com podcast. Um, first off, we're going to go for the most, I guess, anticipated title coming out this week. Um, it's obviously the one right now in January. It's the big marquee title coming out this this month. Um, it's Devil May Cry, and uh, we have our own lovely Steph to, uh, that reviewed it, and she gave our review on it. Um, and so I will turn it over to her to tell us her thoughts and uh, on DMC. And uh, so what did you think? Is Dante worth coming back? Um, well, it was sort of unique for me playing it because I didn't play any of the previous ones. Um, so it was kind of like a whole new game to me, and that's how I looked at it. Um, I think they did some really interesting things, uh, especially with the game world. Um, they had Limbo in it, which uh, Dante would get pulled into it out of the real world, and it coincided with the real world, but um, with different um, buildings would float. The environment itself was almost alive, like buildings would try to come in and crush you. Um, so I think that was a really interesting thing. I believe from what Jeremiah was telling me about the previous ones that that wasn't in there. I'm not sure. Um, we've been busy, so we haven't had a ton of time to talk about the game. But um, uh, this uh, writing for it, the uh, all the voice acting, a little bit cheesy, but um, cheesy in a good way. It was uh, quite funny seeing uh some profanities thrown back and forth between the demon and Dante, stuff like that. Pretty fun. The combat was uh, 
very well done. They had a lot of combos. Um, obviously the game, that's what it's focused on. But they had a lot of options for the combos. You had different weapons. Um, I personally think that the way they um, implemented switching between weapons uh, made it very effective and efficient to use multiple weapons in combos rather than just mashing, you know, X and B as fast as you can. Um, I don't know. Uh, like I said, the, um, the storyline was very good. It feels like they could have added a little more to it. But um, all in all, it was a very fun game. I did enjoy it. I uh, spent my only two days off last week um, playing it for hours and hours and hours. Like I mentioned, right with you. And I believe I gave it an 8 out of 10. It was uh, good. I suggest uh, picking it up. Well, that's good to hear that, uh, at least for Capcom, uh, 2013 is starting off on the right foot for them. Um, it, it, From what I played of it, it uh, does seem like it's a quality game, and uh, I do hope everyone out there gets a chance to, to take a look at it, because uh, I think if somebody's into a real good action year... Now, you said you were talking about the, uh, the conversations um, in the game itself um, that, that were so profanity uh, heavily profanity laden um, did you have an issue with that because I, I know from around the net some people do and some people do not have an issue with, with how profanity was used in the game um, it personally didn't bother me because most of the time it just made me laugh um, <coughs> I, I it, it didn't bother me I guess <laughs> fair enough fair enough um, so the next game was, is Anarchy Reigns. Um, that just came out as a, a fighter uh, built around a really, really solid multiplayer um, as far as it's concerned. If you're interested uh, in a great multiplayer um, component, um, it's going to be a little bit uh, constraining because I don't know if how many people are actually going to be online when you play it, but some of the odds... Uh, the different things that you get to do in the multiplayer, other than just a, a all-in-out brawl, you do have that option. You do have a capture of the flag, which is interesting for an online brawler. Uh, you do also as well have um, a mod ball uh, type type deal, an oddball type deal, as far as where where you're playing against teams and the ideas to to score as as far as is concerned through through a goal. Um, and that's, you know, just getting to that point while trying to beat up your fr uh, friends as far as concerned, is, it's a lot of fun as well. Um, it's from Platinum Games, whose previous records uh, include uh, Vanquish and, and other games of that ilk, um, and uh, obviously Mad World 3, and Stars actually, Mad World, I'm sorry, and Mad World 1 and 2. Uh, it actually stars one of the, the hero uh, from Mad World series. I'm hoping, by the way, that, that we will get a Mad World 3, by the way. Um, the game is actually very fairly priced at $29.99, so I do think people should take a look at it. Um, the single-player game um, has a lot of issues, not only when it comes to to uh, a story issue and cutscenes that, that look like they were done on a budget, um, but as well... Uh, some of the side missions and things of that nature. Although if you do them and complete them, they'll help you in the multiplayer um, and give you a, a perks and things of that nature. Um, it does become a little bit tedious. Um, I do think, like I said, people are going to, once they get it, are just going to be interested in jumping right into the multiplayer. Um, I just the problem is how many people are going to get this and, and, 
somewhere, you know, not too far distant down the line is anyone going to even remember this game, no matter what the price is, to even go online with it. Uh, but what, uh, you know, I did play quite a bit. Um, I give it a 7 out of 10. Like I said, it's, uh, if you're looking for an online brawler uh, with a different type of feel, it's not a 2D brawler. Um, it does have a variating and, and 3D experience as far as it's concerned. And if you're looking for something a little bit different in that area, uh, this game is a, it's a, it's a pretty good game. Uh, whether or not you want to buy it at the budget price or rent it, that's up to you, but it is worth a, a look. Um, after this, uh, we'll be right back with uh, our famous round table of doom right after the break for the world-famous Round Table of Doom, and it's time once again for Game Source Jeopardy. Jeopardy Doom. You just want a brand new card! No, no, actually, I just always wanted to say that. Um, this week, as far as in Game Source Jeopardy, I'm actually going to ask three questions to you guys, and, uh, you know, whatever you want to double down or bet on, and... Um, after what Nick did on our last episode, we won't talk about. But uh, the first question I have is going to be for... Hmm, I'm going to go with Sarah. I'm going to start off with THQ. THQ is in the news because, like I said earlier, they're, um, they're actually all their, their IPs and uh, as far as them as a whole uh, went up for auction earlier today. Um, with the very prospect of several different companies or several different bidders purchasing on on the other intellectual properties, um, or possibly if there wasn't enough money collected, enough um, high offers collected, um, then it would be remaining as a whole to their original suitor um, for what they originally wanted to purchase um, them for for sixty, which was sixty million dollars. And that company, well, that company was Clear Lake Capital Group, um, which originally offered uh, sixty million dollars to buy the company. But uh, like I said, if there's if there's enough of uh, interest from other bidders, as far as is concerned, bidding on the uh, intellectual properties that THQ has, the company could be broken up and exist no more. So that being said, Sarah, I pose the question to you. As far as the properties that they have available, let's say from Red Faction, Darksiders, Saints Row, Homefront, others as far as that ilk, 
Uh, even, let's say, the South Park. Now, I know South Park, there was an injunction filed by the South Park Studios earlier today to stop that, as far as that IP from going uh, on sale. But let's put that into the equation. If there was one, one property, IP, that you could buy, and for how much, what would that be of the THQ properties? buy the WWE franchise because it's the most profitable. The licensing uh, you would get the you would ask for the WWE license? Yeah, because internationally it's the most profitable. Just because wrestling isn't as big in the states as it was say 15 years ago in other countries like Canada, it's still huge. I, I think I would have to agree with you on that one even though there are other great answers there as well. I think that's the answer. I think that's uh, something that that definitely gets overlooked because THQ was at one time the king of all licensing deals, as they had licensing deals with a, a ton of companies. And uh, later this week, I'm going to be uh, putting a blog up on uh, THQ and Atari and and how both have met their demise. But uh, that being said, I'm going to throw it out to Bryce. If there was w- one of their IPs you were bidding on. And how much you were bidding on? Because let's say I'm the, I'm I'm the court, the bankruptcy court, and and uh, I'm saying, okay, I see these interested bidders here. How much would you like to bid, and which IP would you be bidding on, sir? You said South Park was South, off the market. <laughs> I'm putting South Park on the market. Now, mind you, they now mind you, they um, the South Park Studios has said that they owe. Um, that THQ owes them is um, $2.25 million. So they would have to add that on as well. Um, well, if we're going for sheer want, I would say South Park. But profitable-wise, I would go with Saints Row or the WWE franchise. Uh, and I would bet or bid about $6. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> And Steph, if there was one that you had been on, which would it be? Well, um, I'm not super good with uh, investment and all that, so I'm just going to go with the ones that I like, and that would uh, be a toss-up either between the Darksiders and Red Sox. Um, obviously, they're not the most profitable ones they have, since they have WWE, Saints Row, stuff like that, but those are the ones I enjoy, so those would be... And Dark too. And Darksiders Two was your game of the year, was it? Is that not correct? It was your choice. Yeah, it was. Um, I say that would be an actually a, a very under uh, underappreciated pick. I, I think that's um, you know the game critically was a success. Financially, it didn't exactly do what it needed to do, but uh, critically, it is something that that is a quality game and, and could be turned around in in great fashion to to do solid numbers. Red Faction, I'm not so sure about. Uh, 
Red Faction is just, that, there's been several different variations. And I remember even one time that they were around when Armageddon was, was coming out that they were talking about doing a whole TV show on sci-fi. And uh, unfortunately, due to the sales, everything fell through the cracks on that one. But uh, there could be still some life left in Red Faction, but it, it, we'd have to wait and see. Um, I also think another uh, underappreciated um Entity and IP, one prob- I would probably bid on if everybody would uh, was not bidding on on uh, if everybody was bidding on the other IPs, um, I'd bet on the uh, the Metro series uh, because I know with Metro coming out uh, very shortly, scheduled to come out very shortly, um, I really think that that series is, is a quality FPS. And I think uh, there could be a lot of life left in that series if bought at the right price. So, uh, next question I have as far as Games Source Jeopardy is concerned. Uh, let's go with Stephanie. Okay, leaks through the internet claim that uh, claim the PS4 and Xbox will be announced as early as March. Is March a good time to do this, considering all the games that are coming out this spring on the existing consoles? soon they're planning on actually releasing them um if they were to you know announce it in march and say oh it's gonna be coming out in november or it's coming out you know earlier the end of this year um i think that could hurt a lot of the game sales but if they were to say we're just announcing it we don't have a i don't know it i think it really depends on exactly when they plan on releasing it because um obviously the sooner it is to spring the more um, people are going to be discouraged uh, to buy the games that are coming out since there's going to be a new system. But if it's far enough off, I don't think it would hurt that much. I mean, it obviously will. You have to think about it. When do they want to release it? Do they want to um, announce it in summer when we're going to have all the fall games coming out? It's kind of a toss-up, and it's going to be a hard decision for them no matter when they announce it. Bryce? Um... March Madness is all I can say. Uh, Whether or not it's a good idea isn't really in what they may be thinking right now. They might be getting ready for some sort of announcing it early before E3 and then showcasing the real bread and butter at E3. I don't know. That's a, a way to go about it. And Sarah... I think it depends on when the consoles are actually going to be released. If they're announcing it and they're not going to be released for six, seven, eight months, then I feel like it's jumping the gun a bit. They could pick a bit better time to announce or wait for E3, if nothing else. But since the consoles aren't actually coming out, 
they're just announcing them, then I don't think it's necessarily going to hurt game sales because it's not going to hurt something that is not available. Like, if it's technology coming in the future, so are you going to wait and spend all your money on this game system that could potentially not be out for several months or you can have the game now and play it on your existing system. Like it just, I think it just depends. Well, that's, that's what I'm, uh, what I'm asking is, um, wouldn't you, as a consumer, you be a little bit hesitant to buy, let's say Bioshock Infinite, The Last of Us, Gears of War Judgment, what have you, um, if, uh, you know you're you're going to be playing it on something that's going to be um, a passe in say eight months down the line. Well, just because new technology is coming out, a new game system is coming out, doesn't mean that I'm going to go rush out and buy it. You know, it's going to depend on price and availability and other things. I really wanted a Wii U when it came out, but. It wasn't affordable for us at the time, so we still don't have a Wii U. So if there's a game that I want to play, I'm going to get it regardless. And when I am able to get a new console, then, you know, that can happen then. Fair enough, fair enough. And so actually, the last question is coming up right now. Sales for 2012 were down substantially from 2011. With just one word, one word, what can each manufacturer do to make things right in 2013? And I'm going to give each one of you one manufacturer, and yeah, I'll give you a second. I'll give you a second to think uh, on that one word that uh, is the right one, or that you think would be the right word for them. And I'll start with Bryce, and I'll say Nintendo. time you can. Oh, I was going to say magic. Specifically black magic. But, um, uh, Mario. Mario is the only thing Nintendo ever needs to stay ahead in sales. Mario is the most recognized figure in all the world. And therefore, Mario sells. Fair enough. I will go with Sarah, and I will say Microsoft. Microsoft. You can't use the same word in a sentence. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Your keen observation skills are amazing. I love you. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know. That's three words. <laughs> That's the sound. I'm 
I'm going to go with advertising. I know, like, they're not terrible with advertising like Sony is, but if they're announcing a new system, then they're going to have to heavily advertise things that are coming out that are going to be not new technology. Fair enough. And I guess uh, you've had some time to think about this one, Steph, because there's only Sony left, so I'll give you Sony, Steph. What do you think? Um, I'm going to have to go with what Sarah said, advertise. said it earlier. I don't think that Sony does a very good job of advertising, and they need to step it up. Fair enough. So that concludes uh, this week on Game Source Jeopardy. I'm not Alex Trebek, and I'm certainly not Angry Nick. And hopefully there was no violence in the Martinez household over this game. We'll be back to... to cl- <laughs> close up shop. We'll be back to close up shop right after this uh, quick break. <laughs> she threw a pillow at me. You deserved it. Total carnage! I love it! And we're back. Uh, we just wanted to thank everyone for listening to uh, this week's podcast. Uh, it's podcast number 54. Um, if you have any questions, you're always glad to email us at yourgamesource at yahoo.com. Um, remember, uh, we do we have had over 20 people write for, uh, for this site. Um, if you're ever interested in contributing to the site in any way, you can always contact us at yourgamesource at yahoo.com. Be sure to check us out and like us on our Facebook page, which is GameSource, YourGameSource.com, the entire word on YouTube, uh, Your Game Source, three words on iTunes, because um, we've got shows on iTunes. Remember, we also have our Game Source app uh, for your mobile phone, for your Android and uh, iOS device, uh, or Windows phone as well. Just have to uh, catch the link, and you can either click on my face on the site, or go to our Facebook page and it has all the info there on the link to download Game Source Greatness there. Um, am I forgetting anything else? Do we got? Uh, you said you have more stuff coming. Um, there's been great blogs from Bryce already, and I know your trip to Azeroth is still continuing. Correct? Yes. And that's going to be on your Pontosaurus Rex blog, uh, yourgamesource.com. Sarah, any other items that have come down the pipe for you on that, as far as what you're going through in editorial? Like, things that have been sent to me or things yeah, that yeah. I'm contributing personally? Um, either. Either. The last things that I saw were Steph's article and the other one that I was sent. I haven't seen anything new in the past couple of days. Oh, we're going to have to change that uh, and send that out to you because I know I've got something in the works, like I said, on THQ and Atari and the hard times that they're going through right now. Plus, uh, I'm sure we've got some other stuff coming out of the way from all of our... Uh, you know, all of our great people that work uh, on the site for us. Uh, so I guess at this point, um, if uh, with no further ado, Steph, have you got anything to add for this great podcast? Uh, at least you didn't have a pillow thrown at you. I didn't. He deserved I, it. He have, uh, deserved it. made it through this whole podcast without being struck in the face with a pillow. That's true. That's true. That's now, if Jeremiah had been on this show, would he have had a pillow thrown at him? Um, no, but only because I don't have any pillows on my couch. 
<laughs> I dare ask what you might have thrown at him instead. Uh, but Pat may have won. There you go. But that, uh, that does it for this week. Uh, so for Steph, Bryce, and Sarah, um, I guess, uh, guys, if you want to say goodbye, we will head on out. Bye. Goodbye. And we'll see you next time on the Game Source Podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>